1: Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson. I'm so glad you decided to join us this morning. It's always a beautiful Saturday, it seems like, it's whether it rains or shines. I think being outside in the landscape is always a great day. I've said that over and over and over again, but I want to encourage you to do just that. Now, don't rush out there, because for the next hour, it's going to be you and me together talking about vegetables that's right on today's program we're talking about growing vegetables now I know that um, as soon as we get some nice weather as soon as we get some nice few days you want to get out there and plant tomatoes and plant potatoes and plant peppers and beans and all that fun stuff and tasty things but we've really got to watch out we've really got to watch out because being up here in north northeast Georgia of course we can have very late freezes And technically technically we're not even through the last first frost or potential last first frost you can remember catch this you can remember our average last frost date because it's also my birthday that's right April 15th tax day For our zone here in Zone 7, in particular now, our average last frost is April 15th. So, mark it on the calendar. Know that April 15th is generally a safer day to plant, which seems so far away now, and we're having nice weather already. But it is very possible, folks. It's very possible that we may have a frost, a late frost, before April 15th, and we might have a late frost April after after April fifteenth. That's why April fifteenth is our average last frost. Now of course if you've been around this area for maybe a little over three decades, or right at it, you may remember we had snow very late in the year it was considered a blizzard what was it 1993 and maybe it was um it was in march late march or something i don't know if it was april but we definitely had situations where even around easter time sometimes easter's late i think it's fairly early this year i didn't check but um the the point is don't get too excited about growing vegetables. Now, on the other hand, if you want to start some vegetables indoors, then now's a great time. If you want to grow some things, uh, get a little jump on the season and plant them in a sunny window, maybe give them some bottom heat with some kind of uh, a seedling mat or heating pad, giving them plenty of sunlight, putting a little fan on them because plants, especially seedlings, need uh, wind. They need wind, and I can talk a little bit about why later. But the point is, is if you want to get a jump on planting in your garden, go ahead and start some things indoors, tomatoes, peppers. Those are great things uh, to go ahead and get the plants started growing so that when April 15th does come, you've got a plant that is looking good Maybe several inches tall already. And so the really cool thing about growing from seed earlier than planting directly outdoors is that you do get a jump. And you usually are going to be the first guy on the block to have fruits, to have harvest. Because every crop, whether it's potatoes, tomatoes, beans, cucumbers they have a days to harvest. And that's basically the time frame that you are uh, from planting to the day you're going to pick them. Now, some tomatoes, some varieties have different time lengths or days to harvest. Uh, You are looking for tomatoes for a long days to harvest, usually in that 90, maybe sometimes into the 100 days to harvest, which means that you need at least three months, which in our summers it's no problem you need 3 months of average of uh, ideal temperatures you need 3 months of moisture 3 months of fertilization in order to produce that crop and of course 3 months is is not that big of a deal for us we could almost give it 6 months especially if we started uh, indoors about this time so from the day that you're planting your seed to the day you're going to pick those delicious fruits and vegetables that is The Days to Harvest, and you can get a jump on that by planting early, planting indoors right now. And so today's program is going to be just about that, all about vegetables. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking about uh, growing from vegetables, uh, notes from my grandfather, because uh, really my first introduction into horticulture or growing things, gardening in general, was from my grandfather. Now, I'll go ahead and mention that I call him grandfather, but really uh, he wasn't my biological grandfather, my grandmother, and he got married later in life. And uh, it was the real thing, folks. You know, when you see a couple who as much in love as they were, it's really it was a real thing. Um, So they uh, they actually had two places because, of course, they had spent much of their life not knowing each other until probably uh, mid 60s, maybe. Well, they both had a house. Granny, of course, she was from Gainesville, and she had a house downtown. Uh, but, but Henry, Henry, who I'll call my grandfather, he had a, a house here in White County. And so he was a Cleveland boy, and she was a Gainesville girl. And they just hit it off, and they, it was the real thing. But they both, um, I remember before Henry was around, Granny would plant a row of uh, cucumbers and tomatoes. That was about all she did. In her backyard, she planted cucumbers, tomatoes, just a short little row because she liked them fresh. And we would go pick those off the vine, sprinkle, a, slice them up, sprinkle a little salt on them. They were a delicious treat. Now, of course, those were the days before Henry and uh, things changed dramatically. When he showed up in the picture, he took that backyard, which is a small lot in Gainesville, uh, the backyard from the, uh, the porch, from the end of the porch the or, or the deck, the steps there off the house, to the back property line or wood line, and from the left boundary to the right boundary, it was a vegetable garden, a wall-to-wall vegetable garden. And he did that for many years, many years. And it was always great to, uh, to be there with the both of them. Uh, he would slip on his boots and, and head out there, and I'd follow behind him, and he would show me this and show me that. So I thought that it would be a really cool thing to talk about vegetables and growing vegetables, but uh, talking more about what I've learned from my, my family, from my grandfather himself, who, again, both my grandmother and grandfather, as many of our grandparents and definitely great-grandparents, they grew up in a time when growing vegetables was not just uh, an activity to do. It was not just recreational. Now, I'm not saying that we only grow vegetables now recreationally, but the point is, in their day... They didn't have a market or a supermarket, we'll say, they could run down to and pick tomatoes off a shelf or squash off the shelf any time of the year. Of course, we can do that. We have that um, uh, privilege or whatever. I, I suppose it is a privilege in a way. But at the same rate, they grew up in a time when they had to do this for sustenance. They had to grow vegetables to live. And so today's modern science can tell us how things grow and why things work, why certain fertilizers work, how they work. They can tell us those details. Now, our grandparents, they may or may not have known why something worked, but they knew that it worked. And so these notes today that we're going to talk about from my grandfather, I don't know. Some of them may or may not be steeped in science very heavily, probably not. But they worked for Henry. I know they worked for you. Now, the last thing I want to mention, of course, uh, I kind of got off track, but uh, Henry, of course, did have the garden down in Gainesville, but then he had a super huge garden back at his place up here in White County, and it was probably two acres. He had the tallest corn I'd ever seen, of course. I hadn't seen much corn until at that that point in my life. Uh, So the tallest corn, the bushiest tomatoes with the nice fruit sets and, of course, ripening on the vine and all kinds of things. He he pretty much grew potatoes, tomatoes, peppers, beans, cucumbers, squash, uh, Maybe some melons. Uh, Yeah, I think there were some melons. But regardless, it doesn't really matter what you're growing this year, but hopefully you're going to have a vegetable garden. And hopefully these notes from Henry, from my grandfather, are going to help you grow something new in your vegetable garden this year. Before we get into all the details and the notes from my grandfather and his vegetable gardening, uh, let me remind you that, of course, New Southern Garden is more than a radio show show now. We, of course, are here every Saturday at 10 a.m., on WRWH 93.9 FM. This is your hometown radio. But if you happen to sleep in, if you happen to wake up at lunchtime and you realize you've missed New Southern Garden, well, don't cry about it. Just go to NewSouthernGarden.com and you can find every episode of the program that we've ever had there. Last week, we answered your questions. We went to the mailbag and we answered your questions and gave you ideas and tips. And of course, we got some tips about food preservation from one of our listeners. So there was a great show last week and you can find it online at NewSouthernGarden.com. Now also, if you would like to check us out on Facebook and Instagram, that's a great way to keep in touch and to get a reminder when a new show is available and if I've written some articles, because we've been trying to post an article uh, on NewSouthernGarden.com, some gardening topic that's timely. We've been posting weekly about midweek or so, so check out some of those things there at NewSouthernGarden.com. And lastly, of course... This show has also been uploaded to the cloud, and you can access New Southern Garden on any of the podcasting apps. You know, there's Apple Podcasts, and there's Google Play Music, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the best ones is TuneIn, and I haven't talked about it in a while because TuneIn is a radio app. It's, it, you don't even have to have uh, radio signal you just need Wi-Fi signal. So if you have an internet connection, you can listen to WRWH, get this, anywhere in the world. And of course, the show is there, as uh, New Southern Garden is there as well to listen on demand. But you can listen to all your great and fun programming here at WRWH uh, right there on the TuneIn app. So, back to vegetables now. Vegetables, they're great, they're delicious, they're wonderful, and like I said, growing vegetables was one of the first things that I ever did, one of the first, th- really the first thing that I, I had ever, ever did in the garden uh, with my grandfather. He basically ushered me into this world of growing things, and thank goodness he grew up in a time when everybody had to grow things to live, uh, because I'm afraid that, Our generation now, we're kind of rediscovering it, but we've been so far removed. We've been so far removed from the garden, from even the outdoors. We're stuck on our tablets and stuck on our smartphones, et cetera, uh, that we've forgotten about what it's like to be cultivating the earth, turning the soil, planting seeds, planting plants, letting things go, letting things grow. So he instilled that in me, and of course, that steered me on a path to uh, horticulture. But one of the very first things that he, the, the very first thing I should say that he did, uh, he actually came over to my house, him and Granny. I guess Granny, you know, hung around and, and talked with uh, Mama or Daddy or something while me and Henry were outside. We picked a spot that was fairly, fairly level, a little sloping so it drained well, and he brought over his tiller. He brought over his tiller with him that first day. Now, this was pretty early. So the first note from my grandfather is till early. You can turn your soil over at whatever point you'd like. Now, the point of tilling is not really to soften the soil, okay? The point of tilling is to kill weeds. That's the reason we till. It is better not to till uh, than to till, but by tilling, we can turn the soil over uh, and turn weeds under it. So that then those pesky little plants are killed. Let's make that clear that in all of agriculture, whether it's home gardening or whether it's cotton farming or whether it is uh, any kind of row crops, the point of tilling is uh, to kill weeds. Now... When you till, you are actually destroying the soil, sux- uh, soil structure. Now, the soil structure, that is a hard phrase to say, by the way. The soil structure is made up of many different components, and we don't have time to get into the details there. But the tilling blasts that apart, and sometimes we get compaction, we get hard soil after the fact of tilling. But it's necessary. Tilling is necessary, and you can till early. You can till early, turn over that soil, but as a matter of fact, you don't have to have a tiller uh, to get your soil and weeds in check. Uh, When we get back from this quick break, I'm going to talk a little bit about what you can do with a simple shovel or spade, Uh, and you don't have to do the work. You can let Mother Nature do most of it. We'll be right back after this quick break with more on vegetable gardening notes from my grandfather. Yes, we are back at the New Southern Garden, talking about one of my favorite topics this morning, vegetable gardening, growing vegetables. It's one of my favorite topics because, as I've already uh, explained, uh, growing vegetables was the, the way that I was introduced into growing things. When I went to the University of Georgia to study horticulture, I thought that I was going in mainly to learn how to grow vegetables, how to grow food crops, and I did. But while I was there in horticulture school and plant school, I learned about the world of ornamental horticulture, things that are blooming, things that are showy. You know, vegetables, that's what we eat. Uh, edible edible horticulture is what we eat, but ornamental horticulture is what we look at. And so my uh, idea of horticulture and growing garden expanded, and of course, I love both aspects, but I still find my roots here in the vegetable garden because my grandfather helped me build build helped me grow. I should say, my very first vegetable garden, many many years ago. Golly, I was probably like eleven or twelve, I guess, but uh, maybe maybe younger than that actually. But anyhow, the point is is he introduced me to what became. Uh, I hope a lifelong career, you know, I'm maybe uh, only 30 years old. I don't know what what will happen in the future, but hopefully I'll be in this field until I am a grandfather. But the, the thing is, is that vegetables are fun. They are easy to some degree. You get pests, but it's just part of the part of what goes with growing vegetables. Now, we were talking a bit before a bit before about uh, turning your soil over and how uh, my grandfather, of course, we're talking about growing vegetables, notes from my grandfather today. He came over and turned the soil much earlier than when we p- would have planted. And so you can do the same. You can go ahead and begin to turn the soil over because you're trying to kill weeds. That's the idea. You, we, I already mentioned that Tilling destroys soil structure, uh, but we, it's sort of a necessary evil in a way because we need to kill any weeds that are there. Now, there is that whole idea of no-till agriculture, right? No-till farming. But let me tell you, what no-till employs is heavy use of chemical herbicides. We use the chemical herbicides to spray and kill weeds to keep them at bay, and then they take a thin drill and just drill a straight line and plant the seed in that thin drill without disturbing the soil to the extent of tilling. And so that's true no till agriculture, but of course it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work unless you're using that chemical Uh, Herbicide, And not many people are down for that. So one thing you can do, though, if you don't have a tiller, is let Mother Nature do the tilling. But here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out to your vegetable plot, take a spade or a shovel, whatever you've got. And you're going to just dig and turn. Dig and turn. You're not going to bust up the clods. You're not going to chop them up. You're not going to till them over. You're going to let Mother Nature... Over the rest of winter here, it's going to be cold, it's going to be freezing, it's going to be wet, it's going to be raining. All of those aspects are going to sort of weather away those clods of soil that you've turned over. Leave large clods. Then, within the next few uh, weeks or so, you should have a much softer soil and, of course... You're helping to eliminate those pesky weeds. You're helping to eliminate those pesky weeds. So that is the very first thing that I learned from my grandfather. I remember that he came out and helped me turn over the soil uh, uh, initially We didn't plant one thing. We didn't drop a seed in the earth. We didn't drop a uh, a tomato, uh, sorry, a potato in the ground. We didn't do anything but turn the soil over. Now, I believe at that time, if I remember right, because it has been a few years ago. uh, Oh, gosh, I guess over two decades. (laughs) I'm getting so old. But anyhow, uh, what I remember him doing is also at that time, uh, laying on the turned soil some 10-10-10 fertilizer. Now, 10-10-10 fertilizer was his favorite. I remember he used it a lot, but it was a lot of people's favorites. Sometimes he used 5-10-15 as well. But those fertilizers, of course, they are quick to work. They are quick to work, meaning that we may have turned the soil and applied fertilizer with the intention of feeding the plot uh, so that when we planted in a few weeks... We would have plenty of nutrition. And it's good intentions, and it probably did work to some degree. But really, when you apply 101010 10, 10, or 51015, some of those fast acting fertilizers, uh, what we really learn from science would be that we want to do it when there is a plant there. You see, maybe we think we're feeding the soil. But the nitrogen in that fertilizer quickly runs off, it quickly uh, leaches from the plot and goes downstream just a couple of rains over the course of three weeks or, or whatever time frame uh, we were waiting to plant, it could all that fertilizer could have washed away. Now soil has the ability to hold on to other nutrients like phosphorus and potassium, so there may have been a benefit of applying fertilizer before planting. But nitrogen does not hold on to the soil, so we probably lost a good bit of that nitrogen. But of course, maybe neither one of us knew, neither one of us cared. We were working in the garden together, having fun, uh, you know, grandfather-grandson bonding time. Uh, So it didn't matter the amount of nitrogen we might have been losing. So that is the other thing that I remember him doing that first day. I don't necessarily encourage us to uh, fertilize soil rather than if there's, I mean, fertilizing soil that has a plant nearby is appropriate but fertilizing soil that has no plants nearby doesn't make a lot of sense. Nowadays, we have fertilizers that slowly break down, whether you're using organic products, whether you're using uh, commercial slow-release fertilizers, they slowly put nutrition back into the soil as the plant needs it. So those, even though they're a bit higher in cost, you can still find them relatively cheap, especially at Lanier Nursery and Gardens and Flory Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. We have a great slow-release fertilizer, Well-balanced, but it slowly gives the plants what they need. Unfortunately, 10-10-10, 5-10-15 is quick release, and you have to apply it over and over. And I distinctly remember my grandfather doing that. He would come out uh, to my garden that first year, and he would come maybe every couple, three weeks or so, and help me fertilize again. So we know that those 10, 10, 10, and 5, 10, 15 salt-based fertilizers, they just don't linger in the soil like we hope they would. Okay, so then, what are some other things? One other thing that we did is once we started planting our vegetable garden... So a few weeks later, after we turned it over and we did have a little bit of pre-fertilizer put down, I guess you could say, uh, he came back and we started to uh, work with potatoes. Now, in the next half of the program, I'm going to talk about specific crops, some of the things I learned from him and some of the things I've learned since. Uh, But uh, I I do just want to mention that one of the things we did was we uh, diced up um, our seed potatoes. We dice them up and we put them, uh, in, we, we, we use them, we, we fix them in a certain way, which I'm going to describe later. <laughs> we fix them in a certain way that prepared them for planting. So when we talk about potatoes, I'll do that. But the next thing that we started doing, of course, as the temperatures warmed up, was to plant. We started planting, whether we were planting from seed or whether we were planting from transplants. Now, the thing that I learned from him was, from grandfather, from Henry, was when you plant your vegetable garden, don't do it before Good Friday. Some people say do it on Good Friday. Now, that is sort of, you know, like old wives' tales. That's sort of a gardening why old wives' tale, whatever old wives' tale really means. But anyhow, so that is something that I've heard a lot of and, and people speak of, and I think there's some truth to it, but I don't think that is steeped in science, and that's okay, you know. The idea is that we usually have some kind of frost and freeze or whatnot around uh, Easter. And so, of course, Good Friday is just a couple of days before Easter. So if you don't plant before before Good Friday, then you may be more in the clear. Now, like I said at the beginning of the program, of course, April 15th is our average last frost date. Now, that's what science has discovered and figured out and told us that uh, April 15th, we may have a frost before, we may have a frost after, but planting nearer that date is a good idea. So I think that's what he was getting to, but it probably was something that his parents or maybe even his grandparents told him, don't plant before Good Friday. So, of course, Good Friday rolls around uh, sometime after that, I suppose, and he came to the house again and we started planting. Now, we planted transplants of pe- uh, tomatoes and peppers and some other things we planted seed. And so, with all that in mind, when we get back from this break, uh, we've got a hard break here, but when we get back, we're going to talk about specific crops that I grew that first year of my grandfather and what I learned from him and a little bit of what I've learned since. Hang on tight, we'll be right back.
0: For the world to behold stories unfold. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears. Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now, here's Nathan.
1: Welcome back to New Southern Garden, my gardening friends. Of course, today's topic of discussion is all about vegetable gardening, but particularly... Uh, vegetable growing growing vegetables notes from my grandfather my grandfather was an I instrumental player in my early on involvement blow, with horticulture and growing and gardening he didn't grow really any flowers i don't think i ever saw him plant a flower and never helped him plant a flower of any kind now he might have planted some shrubs and whatnot i remember him planting a peach seed and produced a tree that produced fruit several years later. But I don't remember him growing anything sort of ornamental. My grandmother did that. Now, my grandfather did help me grow my very first garden, very first vegetable garden, I should be a little more specific. And it was a great thing. It was a fun time, and I distinctly remember key things. And so, gathered all that information and kind of pulled back from years and years of time passing here (laughs) it's been over probably two decades now and i've written down these notes from my grandfather so that you can experience what i experienced to some degree and he a lot of the things that he did i still do when it comes to growing vegetables whether they work or not uh i mean they seem to work but whether the scientist would say oh yes that's exactly what you should do This is how it should grow. This is how you should plant. This is how you should fertilize. You know, we like to do that, but I just do it because it takes me back. You know, it takes me back to that time when I was a kid. My grandfather brought over his tiller and we grew a vegetable garden. We did that for a few seasons, but like I mentioned, he had his own vegetable garden, it was huge. Not only did he have a vegetable garden, in town at my grandmother's house but he had a vegetable garden here in white county at his place and so he had all kinds of plants whenever they would slip up to white county for the weekend or whatever i don't remember how they scheduled where they were going to stay but uh they went back and forth sort of went up to um uh to helen and and i went with them several times uh it was a fun time but they would grow vegetables at both places so before the break, we were talking about uh, tilling and fertilizing and whatnot. And I remember that we tilled our garden pretty early, so maybe this time of year. And then he came back and tilled it one more time. He tilled it one more time. Now, whether the science would say you should till that much or not, I don't know if it matters. Because <laughs> we had fun. Now, at, around the same time that we tilled, I, I suppose, we... um. We prepared potatoes, and let's talk a little bit about potatoes. We haven't—I don't know if we've talked much at all about potatoes on this show, but potatoes, of course, they're—they're they're great. They're relatively easy to grow. They can be prone to some blight, early, maybe late blight. Uh, it's hard to deal with when you have that, but you can do some things to prevent that from happening. But. I remember my grandfather bringing over seed potatoes. They were probably just Irish potatoes, what they called them back in the day, like white potatoes, Irish potatoes, so old-fashioned, regular, everyday potatoes. But they were seed potatoes, which means that you do want to get your seed potatoes. You want to do one of two things. You can go to a feed and seed store and purchase seed potatoes. Now, it sounds like you're buying seed that came from the potato plant. But that's not true. Uh, There are seed that can be produced by potatoes. But the way we normally propagate potatoes are asexually, which means that we go and purchase um, a potato itself, which in this case we just call seed potatoes. It's nothing to do with seeds by any means. Uh, But the seed potatoes from the feed and seed store. Okay, they are not going to be treated uh, with hormones that have stopped the growth of eyes. Now, remember, a potato, of course, produces little eyes, which becomes the new plant. At the uh, grocery stores, if you get your potatoes from the grocery store, you don't want to get them off the shelf to, today. You want to use old potatoes that you may have had stored because the pot- the uh, potatoes in the grocery store have been sprayed with certain hormones and treatments to slow down the process of those eyes forming. That way they are more shelf-stable and they last longer for the produce uh, department's business, (laughs) okay? But in your case, you want something that is going to produce eyes and not be uh, hindered from that process. So definitely if you go to an agricultural supply store, feed and seed, something like that, they will or should, if they carry that product, have untreated seed potatoes, All right, so you're literally buying potatoes, right? Now, when my grandfather came over, he brought these seed potatoes, and we prepared them. We prepared them for planting. You could plant that entire seed potato below the earth in its entirety. I guess I said entire already, (laughs) but you could do that. But the great thing about potatoes is that you can dice them up, Making sure that each dice, each chunk that you cut has one of those eyes, one of those buds on that chunk. Now, what we did after we diced these up, prepared them, is we took those potato chunks. I don't know if that's the appropriate term or not. But he also brought over a brown paper sack and some elemental sulfur. Now, at the time, I had no clue. At the time, I had no clue really what we were doing. But what we were doing was we were uh, putting the elemental sulfur in that brown paper sack with the potatoes, shaking them up so that we coat those fresh cuts with elemental sulfur. And here's why. I did not know at the time. I don't even know if I I think he said just so they won't rot. But any time you divide fleshy parts of the plant, you make a wound. It could very easily and most likely will get. get some kind of infection, whether it's fungus or whether it is bacterial, you could be in trouble and those little pieces of potato would have rot, rotten. But with elemental sulfur, that creates an atmosphere where bacteria and fungus cannot survive. So if something tried to grow in those fresh cuts that you've made, it wouldn't survive. We we shook them up in that brown paper sack, Right. And we kept that brown paper sack with those cut potatoes coated in sulfur in the garage, so a cool, dry place, for over a week's time. And what that allowed was it allowed those edges to sort of dry out, become tougher, those cut edges now dried out, become tougher, and it uh, sealed, kind of sealed that cut uh, very easily so that uh, the fungus and bacteria wouldn't grow once we'd planted them. So we kept them in the garage, and he came back uh, the next time he came, and we finally planted the potatoes. Now, planting potatoes is, is fun. So you're going to take these diced potatoes, essentially, making sure that each, each chunk has an eye or a bud on it. We covered it in sulfur. We protected it from the fungus and bacteria, right? Okay, so now we dig a trench in our row. So that was the very front row of my vegetable garden. I distinctly remember that that first year. It was potatoes right on the front. And uh, if the reason they were right in the front, because they were the very first thing we planted. I remember us planting them a little bit when it was a little cooler than you would imagine. So probably a bit before April 15th. But that's okay because the, um, the plant is going to not pop above the ground until a little later when it warms up anyways. Just like planting bulbs essentially, right? So we dug down, instead of mounding, we sort of dug down and planted the potato deep. And here's the philosophy behind that is what I learned. He's, he, grandfather told me, he said, okay, so we're going to plant these potatoes, we're going to lightly cover them. And he said every week, When you come out here, or once a week, when you come out here, and these potatoes, the little shoots start popping above the ground, go ahead and pull soil around them, and you're going to heal it up. You're going to heal it up, okay? That's the word here, healing up. And so I would, once a week at least, I would come out with a hoe, just like he showed me, and when those little potatoes started getting a few inches above the ground, I healed it up. And he said, what's going to happen is you're going to be placing soil around the stem, and it's going to, uh, or the plant is going to make potatoes around that stem where the soil is covering. And that's exactly what happens. Folks, that's exactly what happens. You see, potatoes are in a family of plants called solanaceae. Solanaceae, which means the nightshade family. Now, the nightshade family includes some other well-known members, like tomatoes and peppers and eggplants now they're not all the same species but all of these plants are in the same family and what we know and we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, tomatoes but potatoes and tomatoes and peppers if you mound soil around their stem they will stimulate root growth and of course The potato produces the potatoes on its roots. So if you heal up your potatoes as they're growing, maybe just once a week, you get a few inches of growth, cover that up, and just leave a little bit of tuft at the top. And eventually, those potatoes are going to get very bushy and whatnot, and you can still cover up as many stems as possible. Because the more stems that you can cover up around that potato, then the more potatoes you will have. So the more stems around the potato plant you can cover with soil, the more potatoes you'll have. Don't just plant the potato seed and let it go, or seed potatoes. Don't just plant them and let it go. Continuously, weekly, cover them up with soil. You will have a bumper crop for sure. Now, how about tomatoes and peppers? With all that in mind, tomatoes and peppers, those are in the same family as potatoes. They all three... They, all three, can have some of the same diseases. So be sure that you give them some space. Don't let their um, leaves touch each other. Make sure the leaves on these plants stay dry because they can become infected with even powdery mildew and, of course, late blight, early blight, things like that. Peppers, not so much. But the one thing we did with when with my grandfather with when we were planting tomatoes and peppers is we did not plant them from seed, okay? Okay. We did, I don't know where he got them, but he brought tomato plants and pepper plants a little later after we planted potatoes. And uh, he, this is one thing we did not grow from seed. And I have learned since, I have learned since that we don't necessarily need to grow them from seed in the ground Okay, you we we have and since uh, the early days of my grandfather, I have planted uh, uh, tomato seeds, pepper seeds indoors early about this time of year, maybe a little bit earlier, but still a good time. Actually, right now is a great time. So it's an ideal thing to because they have such a long days to harvest. Remember that we talked about the days to harvest. It's, It's a long time. So getting a start, get them in the ground. Uh, about the middle of April, maybe a little after, when it's when the ground temperature is warm, that's the key with potatoes and peppers. Make sure it's warm; they they love it hot. But the uh, reality is, is if you sow tomato seeds in the ground when the temperature is warm, it's still going to take them a long time. It takes most tomatoes and peppers maybe 21 days to germinate to really get gro- going. Folks, that is a long time. Peppers are probably the slowest to get growing. And so getting a jumpstart, he brought me transplants. My grandfather brought me little plants in cups, in containers, and we planted them. Now, the other thing we did with our tomatoes is we planted them deep. Remember how I mentioned that with potatoes you can mound the stems up and they'll generate more potatoes and more roots? Well, tomatoes will do the same thing. If you plant them deep and mound soil up around them, you will increase the density of your root system, which is a very good thing because in the middle of summer, If you have planted your tomatoes deep, if you've been mounding up around them and they've been growing an extensive root system, by the time (laughs) the drought in summer comes, your tomatoes are not to worry because they are prepared. You have prepared them Take care of a strong root system. So that's one thing we did. We dug practically a deep hole and planted most of the tomato below ground, and that has stuck with me ever since. Well, folks, more notes from my grandfather on vegetable garden when we get back from this quick break. Well, gang, we've just got a few more moments on today's program, and, of course, we need to jump right back into our topic of discussion, which is growing vegetables, notes from my grandfather. I am telling you the story of that first vegetable garden uh, that we planted several years ago now. Of course, my grandfather was instrumental in getting me to grow. Like, I didn't ask for him to help me grow a vegetable garden. He decided that he was going to help me with a vegetable garden. He brought his tiller over. He brought over seed potatoes. He brought over plants. And we grew that vegetable garden that first year, and I'm so thankful that he did that. Of course, that seems like an ages; it was a lifetime ago. But everything that he has, uh, everything he did then, he doesn't he doesn't realize, he doesn't see uh, that I took it further and made a career out of growing plants. <laughs> So we were talking about tomatoes and peppers, how we plant them deeply. Uh, most people don't plant their peppers deeply, but I started doing that because, of course, they're in the same family as potatoes and tomatoes, which we do plant deeply. And we encourage that because you can increase your root system dramatically, preparing your little baby plants to be strong plants with huge root systems that can handle summer drought which we're destined to uh, have to deal with on a year-by-year basis. Now, the other thing that we did is my uh, grandfather, of course, he brought over these milk jugs. He cut the bottoms out of milk jugs, and we covered our tomatoes and peppers uh, for a few days. He told me to leave them on uh, for a few days, and what we would do is take them off because it's going to help protect them. So I didn't know at the time, but maybe we were planting just a bit before the danger of frost was over. I'm not sure. But the other thing is what that milk jug top does. And of course, he just cut off the bottom so we could place the milk jug over the top of the plant. What that does, it does create sort of a a humid condition keeping moisture around the leaves of the plant, which isn't ideal by any means because you could get increased disease problems. But what I remember is that uh, it would also sort of keep the plant from wilting it did give it a little more heat, and of course it warmed up the soil below. And years later, what I learned is that even though we were using a milk jug, there is something called a clutch or cloach, I forget how it's said, but uh, usually they're made out of some kind of, what could be plastic, in our case it was, and sometimes it's terracotta. But you place a clotch cloach, I don't know, over the tops of plants so that it protects them from warm uh, from cold weather, but then also gives them a little extra heat and speeds them along. So whether he knew what that word meant or what it was, that's what we were doing all along. And of course it gave our tomatoes and peppers a pretty decent start. So you can, especially if you're p- growing maybe with some potential frosty, freezy uh, times. We don't want any freezing, that's for sure. But if you get a frost after you planted, be sure sure to close them, cover them up with something that is going to protect them. A row cover would work as well. Of course, row covers are lightweight material that helps to keep heat in and keep frost out. It's just placed over the top of the the crop and it can be removed during the day and covered up at night when you may have freezing temperatures. Now, another thing that I grew, of course, my grandfather was beans. We grew a lot of beans. He loved white half runners. And, of course, they're tasty beans. They're string beans, so we did have to string them uh, once we picked them, but beans. And the first thing he would do is that he would prepare a trellis before he planted them. You see, you don't need to go to the box stores or the local nurseries and buy bean plants. You can grow beans from seed very quickly. They have a quick germination, and actually growing them from seed may even uh, give them a head start in your soil rather than having to be grown in a pot wrapping their roots around the pot and have to be working away from that formation, uh, being root-bound essentially, planting the, the bean seed directly in the earth usually gives you stellar results. But prepare your trellis before because the beans are going to take off. Now, what he did is he had some hog wire or chicken wire and some posts, and that's pretty intensive, you know. Uh, but you can use uh, a wigwam, a couple of uh, canes, you know, you can use maybe a, uh, a pyramid built out of canes or some kind of lumber, and they can grow up that. Anything that your bean can wrap its little twining vine around is going to be sufficient. But I do remember that that was key. He had long rows of beans uh, with posts, and he kept the post in most of the year, I believe. And then, of course, he tacked on uh, some wire they could grow on. Now, the other thing. Uh, is what about when do you pick beans now you can usually use this rule for all beans whether it is a uh, for green beans i should say whether it's string bean or whether string less bean uh, be sure that you pick them when they're plump but tender you don't want them to get hard or they get corky and then of course uh, the seeds become much larger you can eat beans at any stage. They may just need a lot of cooking. You see, if they go too long on the vine, they may get too tough. But if you pick them when they filled out, they flushed out, they're plump, but they're still tender, easy to snap, easy to crack, easy to cut. Um, that, is, that is great. Now, the uh, other beans, of course, you may grow are like dry beans. Now, you want to let them go until their bean becomes dry and papery. If you're going to grow maybe even peas like southern peas, um, uh, let's see, purple hole peas or crowder peas, those peas, you can wait for them to dry out completely and you can store them over winter if need be. But that's the beans. That was the bean story. I remember those things from my days of my grandfather. Then lastly, of course, maybe cucumber squashes and melons, they're all in that same group. So we did the same thing. We planted them from seed. We did not plant them from plants. They have very quick germination in just a matter of maybe seven days. You will have a germinated seedling right there. Now, cucumbers they can climb. Uh, Or they should climb. He had the same kind of structure, uh, trellis, that he had for his beans. He had the same kind of structure for cucumbers. He let them suspend themselves in the air. It gives them better fruit quality. Even though cucumbers can grow on the ground, they usually get yellow on the bottom. And they can tend to... um, to get uh, some mushy diseases and also get some insects that get into there. So keeping them in the air, keeping them dry, uh, keeping them off the ground, gives them a better fruit quality and look. But be sure to pick the cucumbers young because they can become bitter again, these are things that he taught me. (laughs) Uh, Squashes and melons, they can run on the ground. They don't necessarily have to climb because they'll have larger fruits. Uh, But the melons need room. The melons need room. And be sure to pick your squash uh, pretty early when it's young. Almost the younger the better. Maybe letting it get maybe four to five and six inches Any. Bigger, and that plant can become quite tough. If you irrigate your melons, you will have better fruit quality. That's for sure because they take a lot of water. Uh, That's the point of watermelon, after all. They take a lot of water. Now, I've got one last little plant that I want to talk about in the minute we have or so, and that is popcorn. Uh, my grandfather grew popcorn popcorn is not all corn pops. Okay. Not all sweet corn pops, none sweet corn pops. You've got to buy popcorn. So they had grown some popcorn, dried it out. And we were up at his place here in white County. And I remember the day very well that granny popped the corn that they grew in the garden. And it had no butter, had no salt. It was the tastiest popcorn I've ever had. We ate it on the front porch. It was so tasty. And, uh, I, I encourage you that if you're going to try some sweet corn, go ahead and try some popcorn. I guess the note that I learned from my grandfather there is always grow popcorn because it's a fun thing. It can be very fun, very enjoyable. And if you've got children, whether grandkids <laughs> like I was 20 years ago or whatnot, or whether you've got kids uh, yourself who, who, who are running around like I do now, Eden Rose, grow some popcorn. It's fun. Let it dry out and then put it on the stove and just pop it. Just pop it. Well, folks, I hope you've enjoyed these notes from my grandfather on vegetable gardening. Of course, he's no longer with us. It's been several years since he's passed away. But I appreciate him and want to thank him, uh, even though I can't say it to him directly, for making this show possible. This is Nathan Wilson for New Southern Garden at WRWH. Stay well and grow well.